Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, we just want to thank you for this morning and for the beautiful breaking of bread we had. We sang so many of the great old hymns of the faith that touched our hearts. And each one of them is special, Lord. And we thank you that we remembered your love and your sacrifice and we can't even describe it. And so we pray today as we study into your word and we look into it and and we pray that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide and that you will put me behind the cross, Lord, and that the words that are spoken will be your words and that you will reach out to people today to bring them to salvation, to bring them under the sound of the gospel and to receive Christ. And so we pray that you'll bring an encouragement to each heart this morning from your word. And we ask this now and and thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. At the breaking of bread, our dear brother uh, Michael shared and he was sharing and also Jeff, they were sharing about what's really valuable. And this man that Jeff works for has these 20 boats and Michael is being calculating this in his mind, was thinking about how much these boats were worth and how valuable they would be in the eyes of the world. And there are people a lot richer than that. Bill Gates and all these people, Warren Buffett and people all over the world that have money and they have possessions and they have everything their heart could yearn for in this world, but they don't have Jesus Christ. So really, they may appear to be rich, but really, in God's sight, they're dirt poor. Because when we have Christ, whether we have riches or we don't have riches on the earth, we have Christ, we have the heavenly riches. We have something so far more valuable than any of these earthly things. And I thank God for that. Because as we wake up in the morning and as we put our head down at the pillow at night, we can sleep well because our consciences are clear. Our sins are forgiven. We sang in that hymn this morning, I'm forgiven because he was forsaken. Yes, because Jesus went to the cross, he died for us to bring us this new life. So we have a spring in our step. We have a joy in our hearts because of what he's done for us. Now, do we go through troubles and trials? Yes, we do. Do we go through problems? Yes, we do. Stress? Yes. But we have Christ with us. And because he is our hope and our confidence, And our peace, we can face whatever it is that there is in this world today. And you know that God loves you more than anything or anything else in this world. He values you. He puts a price on you that's so high and so valuable that it's above anything else. He created the sun and it's wonderful. He created the moon and the stars and their vast recesses out in the universe. And they're great. And all the animals and all the plants and flowers and the beautiful things we have, like down at Yosemite. And all these things, God values those. He created those. But He created you and I. In His image. He said, I love you. I created you in my image. And He put Adam and Eve here on this earth and He gave them a wonderful life. And what did they do? They turned around and they sinned against God. Just as we would have done the same exact thing. And that sin separated them from God like every sinner that's born into this world. When we're all sinners, we're separated from God. And so when Jesus came, he came to bridge that separation, to bridge that gap, to bring us back to God into a loving, wonderful relationship with God. Only he can do no other religion, no other thing can do it. And so the title of our message this morning is God values you. God values me. 
And it's a blessing to know that a lot of people get sad and discouraged and down and they take all these self-help courses and they try to have a better self-image and a better this and a better that. It doesn't work. The only way to feel good about yourself is in Jesus Christ, knowing that he died for you, knowing that he saved you, that he did all the work to make your salvation possible to be with God forever. He did all of that. He doesn't say, "Okay, now you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do the other thing. He says, no, it's a finished work on the cross. And all we have to do is believe in Christ and his finished work. And we have eternal life and we have it now and we'll have it for all eternity. And God's not an Indian giver. He doesn't give you the gift of life and take it back again and say, well, I've changed my mind, Dean. I'm going to take that gift of salvation back because you really blew it this time. You did that same sin again over and over. And finally, you've run out my patience and I'm taking it back. God doesn't do that. Once you're saved, you're eternally saved. But if you're not saved, you're eternally not saved. And so unless you accept Christ into your life, if the rapture happens, if death comes, you're not going to be with the Lord. And that's the. Sad thing. It's not only sad, it's tragic. Recently, there was a tragedy in my neighborhood. It was on Wednesday night the week before. And I was driving home and there was a police officer with the light shining there, stopping all the traffic on El Capitan and making people turn around. Well, I didn't have to turn around because I was going into my gate. I said, that works out fine. I'm not going that way, but I could see lights flashing. I could see a serious situation and all the neighbors in my in my complex. It's a gated community. They were coming out to see what was going on and we knew it was serious. And I was thinking to myself, this could be a fatal accident. It's so major. They're blocking everything off. It looks like it could be a fatal accident. And I was thinking people drive down that street so fast, especially teenagers. And I said, it could be teenagers involved. Next day, I find out I found on on the news three teenagers were in the car. They crashed into a tree and into a fence. One was killed, a 17 year old San Ramon Valley student. They were all from San Ramon Valley High, all of them. Two others were seriously injured, the driver and one other passenger. One had a broken leg. The other one had broken ribs. One is in eternity now. They all three were looking forward to starting school the very next day. Two would be able to go back to school. One is in eternity now. And we don't know when our time in life is going to be up. It could happen at any time. We say, well, Dean, I don't drive fast. I don't drink and drive. I don't do those things. But you know what? Anything can happen. There was a young girl, college student at Chico State University, was sitting under a tree studying for her classes, the class that had just begun and started up there at the school. All of a sudden, this huge branch, this huge limb falls down on her head and kills her on the spot. Life is fragile. That's why they say life is fragile. Handle with prayer. None of us know how long we have. That's why the decision we make for Christ has to be made now. It has to be made today because putting it off is a dangerous thing. It really is. And because God loves us so much, the hymn writer said, oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Yes, God's love. And today we're going to look at a brief parable 
One of the parables of Jesus, if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, we're going to look at verses 45 and 46. I don't know if you've ever heard of a message on this before. I don't think I have too much either, but it is a wonderful parable speaking about the kingdom of God and our Lord Jesus Christ and how he values us and puts a value on us above anything else. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 45. Before I read the passage, just keep in mind what parables are. They're earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. Earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus taught in parables. And sometimes the people didn't understand it. And the disciples came to the, to the Lord and said, can you explain this one to us? And he would explain the parable. And so here is a parable. And it says in verse 45, And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts today. There are people that believe that this parable is speaking of. Some people believe and wrongly so that that the merchant is the, the person seeking after salvation and the pearl of great price is is Christ. But that's not right because we can't buy salvation. And you see, that's what the merchant man does. He he buys it, that pearl of great price. So what it really has to do with and all the commentators that are real Bible scholars believe this. What it means is Jesus Christ is the merchant. He was looking for the good, good pearls, the beautiful pearls. And he found that one pearl of great price. And he went and sold all that he had to purchase it. Who is that pearl of great price? It's the church. And who is the church? It's composed of every believer in Jesus Christ. It is really composed of every person that comes to Christ. And so we see the value that the Lord puts on you and the value that he puts on me, the kind of love he has, that he was willing to come all the way down from heaven to find that pearl of great price. To say, Vince, you're special. I love you. I died for you. And to each one of us, he knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows our thoughts. He knows everything about us. Sometimes we like to hide things about ourselves because we don't want people to find out. He already knows everything anyway. So when we come to him and confess our sins, he already knows it. But he wants us to do it and repent of our sins and to ask Jesus Christ to forgive us and come into our lives and be our Lord and Savior. That's God's ultimate purpose for your life, not to make money, not to get ahead in this world, not to have great health. Those are all things that are good, but to have salvation in Christ. And today we're going to look at three things. Number one, he came to purchase us. He came to purchase us. Another word for purchase is redeem. He came to redeem us. Secondly, he died to save us. So he came to purchase us and he died to save us. And third, he lives to offer us the free gift of eternal life. You know, the Lord Jesus mentions many parables in this 13th chapter. And one of the parables is the wheat and the tares. And it says that the sun, it says in verse 38, the field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who has sown them is the devil and the harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. And it says that the wheat and the tares are going to grow together. 
Isn't it amazing that in an audience like this, there's going to be some wheat and there may be a few tares. Every church has got wheat in it. In other words, those who are truly believers in Christ, truly born again, truly saved, have the Holy Spirit. And then there are those who are not. They may profess to be saved, but they're not saved. And it says the two are going to grow up together until the harvest. And then the Lord's going to take the wheat away into his kingdom and the tares are going to be burned up and destroyed. In other words, judged. So only the Lord knows the heart. And so we may have everybody else fooled. But the Lord sees right into our heart. He sees whether we're saved or not. And that's why it's better to make sure that you're saved right now today than to, to guess or think you might be. Get saved today because it is God's desire. We had in our memory class a while back, John 3.16. And probably if I ask you how many memorized John 3.16, almost every hand would go up because it's a great verse. But 17 and 18 go along with it. And that's why it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Yes, what a blessing it is that he did that for us. What a what a blessing. And he says, he who does not, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's our choice. God gives us the choice. We can sit there and we can make the choice. Wouldn't it have been easier if God had just created us like robots and we just automatically get saved and automatically do what he wants us to do? Would God have gotten any glory from that? No. He wants to see us. Take the first step. He wants to reach out to us with a gift of salvation and us to take it. We have to choose him. We have to open the door of our life to him. And then he will come in. The door handles on the inside, brothers and sisters. We have to open that door and invite Christ in. He's not going to barge in. You're not going to walk home today to your house and find Jesus there in your house, barged in and say, I'm taking oath. No, he says, you invite me in. I'll come in. I'll change your life. I'll give you everything you need or ever even thought you needed and desired. I'm going to give you life and life more abundantly. I'm going to give you eternal life. But only if you ask him. In 2 Peter 3.9, it says, But God is not slack concerning his promises. Some count slackness. But is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I was thinking about this yesterday as I was meditating on the word. God is not satisfied. If there's a hundred people, he's not satisfied with ninety nine being saved. He's not. There's even a parable in Luke that says he leaves the ninety and nine, the ninety nine in the fold and goes after that one lost sheep. He's not going to give up on you. He's not going to give up on me until we get saved. He's going to come after us. He's going to keep knocking at our heart's door. He's going to continue to bring circumstances into your life to say, look, I'm here. I can save you. I can give you a new life. But we have to accept it. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. When the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, did he find beautiful people? Did he find people like they put on the People magazine? Did he find people that were just perfect and you look at them and they think, 
You know, if we could find out some of the lives of these celebrities and really learn what their lives are about, we would say that's not the kind of life you want. That's not the kind of life you want. That man Jeff was talking about is not a happy man. He, he's got all the boats and he's got all the things and the money and everything. But he says, I don't know how to, how to spend it all. And yet, like Jeff was saying, he's going to leave it all behind. The more we have, the more we have to leave behind. But when we have Christ, he fills us. And that's all we need. We're complete in him. Yes, he is the one who came looking and he didn't find anybody good. Christ didn't find anybody good. All he found was sinners. He found the tax collectors. He found the prostitutes. He found all the people uh, that were despised in society. And he found all these people and different religious people and things like that. And he came to them and he says, I value your soul. Like that rich young ruler, he says, what must I do to obtain eternal life? And Jesus said, you know the commandments. And he said, I've done all those. What more do I need to do? And he says, go and sell all that you have and come and follow me. Now, why did Jesus ask that man to do that? He didn't ask anybody else to do that because he knew that man had that those riches and those riches were keeping him from getting into heaven. It's like trying to get through a door and you've got your pockets all full and you can't fit through it. That money can hinder people from getting saved. That greed, that, that desire for the things of this world can choke the word and make it unfruitful in our lives. And so the Lord wants us to be his pearl of great price. Jim uh, Welsh traveled over all the way from Danville, where he lives, and, and he went all the way over to Tel Aviv, Israel, looking for some gems. Some gems, literal gems, diamonds and things, gems in that type of business. And so the goal in the diamond business, right, or any business is you buy low, as low as you can. Right, Dave? Right. He's smiling. That's true. You buy low and you sell high. And so then you turn around and you make a profit on whatever that was. When Jesus came to purchase us, he paid high. He paid the highest price not to turn around and sell us but to treasure us as his own special people for eternity. Say, that one's mine. She's mine. He's mine. They are mine. I love them. I value them. That's why I died on the cross and suffered that pain. Someone said, how much did Jesus love me? How much did Jesus love you? This much. When he spread out at the cross and died in our place. That's how much he loved us. And so he chose us. He chose us and he came and he found lost sinners, hopeless sinners, desperate sinners, people condemned to death and hell. And he came to save them. None of us are good. None of us are worthy. None of us can get to heaven on our own merits at all. Positively can't be done. It says in Romans chapter three, verses 10 to 12, as it is written, there is none righteous. How many? None, none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. All are turned aside. They've become together unprofitable. And there is none who does good. No, not one. In fact, not only is there no good people, but all people are sinners, as it says in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So you're telling me, Dean, as much as I try, and as hard as I work and as much as I do to give and help and everything, you're going to tell me I'm going to fall short? Yes, in yourself you are. 
That's why Jesus had to die, because I'm a sinner, because you're a sinner. He had to die for that sin so we could enter into heaven as forgiven people by the grace of God. And so when he came, he sold all that he had to purchase that pearl of great price. You know, I was reading in the Internet. I typed in a few things. What is the most expensive pearl? What's the, mo- what's the largest pearl? And I found out an interesting story in 1934 around the islands of the Philippines, Palawan Islands, right? Michael knows that and probably those from the Philippines. There was a diver and he was a Muslim and he was a diver. And so he found this huge, huge pearl and he named it the Pearl of Allah. But I'd like to think of this as the pearl from the islands of the Palawan uh, Islands, pearl. And so when they brought it up and it was in in the oyster, unbelievable. Can you imagine how big that oyster would have to be and how big that pearl was? And you say, well, Dean, how big was the pearl? Well, the pearl was huge. It was nine. It was uh, 14 pounds. It weighed 14 pounds. Now, you have these little pearls, right? You have these little pearls. The ladies wear them around their neck and there's some beautiful pearls. How would you like to have one that weighed 14 pounds? And they have a picture of it. It's huge. And the person's carrying it like this in their hands. 14 pounds. But you know what? As special as that pearl is and as valuable as that pearl is, it can't compare to the value of Christ's church about those who've been redeemed and purchased by him. Because that pearl is truly the pearl of great price. The question is for, for us, though, what did he have to do? To purchase us, it says in Romans five, six to eight. And when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He came to purchase us. That pearl of great price. And he went to a great length to come all the way from heaven down to earth, become a man, become a baby and then grow up to be a man and die on that cross for us. He was willing to leave all the splendor and riches of heaven and come down to this earth. I love that verse in Second Corinthians eight, nine that says, for, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes, he became poor, that through his poverty, we might become rich. What a blessing it is. God loves us so much. His love is sacrificial. He was willing to sacrifice it all and give it all. There's a story of a mother. And actually it was told by William Gladstone in announcing the death of Princess Alice many years ago to the House of Parliament. And he told this story. He said this, the little daughter of the princess was seriously ill with diphtheria. The doctors had told the princess not to kiss her little daughter and endanger her life by breathing the child's breath. How would you like that, mothers? Can't kiss your child? How would you like? No. Once when the child was struggling to breathe, the mother, forgetting herself entirely, took the little one in her arms to keep her from choking to death. Rasping and struggling for breath, the little child cried, Mama! Kiss me. Without thinking of herself, the mother tenderly kissed her daughter. She got diphtheria. And some days thereafter, she went 
to be forever with the Lord. The writer says real love forgets itself. Real love knows no danger. Real love doesn't count the cost. The Bible says many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. Jesus loved us so much he was willing to come and he was willing to humble himself to the point of death, even death on the cross for you and for me and to die in our place, to take the punishment that we should have had and to die on our behalf. What a blessing it is. He was like that kernel of wheat that fell to the ground and died in order to produce fruit. And you know, if you want to grow anything like from a seed or a kernel of wheat, you have to, it has to die, as it were, be buried in the ground, and then it produces the fruit. And so because Christ died for us, we are his fruit. We are the result of his labor. We are the result of his work on the cross. And what a great blessing it is. I like what Bill McDonald says about the pearl. He says, just as a pearl is formed inside an oyster through suffering caused by irritation, so the church was formed through the piercing and wounding of the body of the Savior. That's exactly how a pearl is formed. It's different than any other gem, diamond, ruby, sapphire, any of those. They're all beautiful and wonderful, but the pearl is all natural. It's caused by a process where inside that oyster, a little bit of sand gets in there, a little bit of irritant gets in there, and then pretty soon it becomes painful for the, for the oyster. And so then it secretes this liquid to cover over the irritant, and then the beautiful pearl is formed. And I said, Lord Jesus, that's what you did for me. You took your blood and you covered over the irritant of my sins and made me into that beautiful pearl, that pearl of great price, that value that Christ put on me and on you is so wonderful. It's so glorious. Yes, he was the merchant that went and sold all that he had to die on the cross for our sins. I also like what J. Vernon McGee said about the pearl. He says the pearl is not a stone like a diamond. It is formed by a living organism. A grain of sand or other foreign matter intrudes into the shell of a small sea creature. It hurts and harms it. The response of the organism is to send out a secretion that coats over that foreign matter. And then it says the fluid builds up until a pearl is formed. Not a ruby or a diamond, but a beautiful white pearl. A pearl is unlike any other gem. You you cannot enhance its beauty by cutting it. In fact, if you cut it, it loses all its value. When Jesus produces that pearl of great price, when he considers us that pearl of great price, that is not to be cut. It is to be displayed for all eternity. And the church will be on display as his blood-bought people forever and ever and ever. And that is the great blessing of his love for us. Finally, we see that he came to purchase us. He died to save us. And third, he lives to offer us the free gift of salvation. But it's a choice. I can't make it for you. You can't make the choice for me. Mothers, you can't make it for your daughters. Fathers, you can't make it for your sons and vice versa. You can't make the decision for your friend. You can't make it for your spouse. Each person has to make that decision. And we heard last night, I was over at Adel and Sylvia's house and she was talking to Chantel on the phone. And I was saying, wow, praise God. Guess who got saved last night? You don't mind if I say this, right? Guess who got saved last night? Mason got saved last night. Let's give a hand. God saved Mason last night. 
He's their younger son. His brother Wesley was saved and was just baptized. And Mason came to Christ last night. To me, that gets me excited. More excited than all these things in the world. And you know, I love sports and football and I love all these things. But really, the most exciting thing is when one sinner repents. Because the Bible said, the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. More than anything else. That is causing the celebration today. The sound you hear from the angels singing and praising God, if we could hear it, right, would be because one got saved last night. Somebody else got saved this morning. Somebody else going to get saved this afternoon all over the world. What a blessing it is. But the scripture makes it clear. We do have to make that decision. And it says in John chapter one and verses 10 to 12, we heard this one already this morning, but it says he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. That's the Jewish people. They rejected him. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. And Jesus will give you that free gift of salvation without cost, without price, without anything, but just come by faith and take it and you'll have it forever in Acts chapter 16 and verse 31, that Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. And that day he was saved and his whole family was saved. And what a joy that was. And it tells us very clearly in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so what a joy and a blessing it is. The choice is clear. The time is now. Let's not put it off. Let's accept Christ today. It's a decision we have to make. Whether you're a teenager, a young person, older person, married, single, it doesn't matter. Come. I love when Billy Graham preaches because he preaches at this big stadium, right? And he's preached to millions of people have gotten saved. And I always like how he says, come down. I see you up there on the top. Come down and get saved. And he says, your friends will wait for you that brought you to the conference. They'll, they'll wait for you. Come on down. And they come down and they get saved. And they always plays that song, just as I am without one plea. And that's how we come to Christ. He doesn't say, clean up your life, get your act together, look better, do things better, improve yourself, stop sinning. He knows we can't do that. He says, come as you are. I'll make you what I want you to be. And that's why when Christ came to search out for that pearl of great price, were we a pearl of great price? Were we of value in ourselves? No, but he saw beyond what we were to what we would become through his death on the cross and through our salvation. And he says, I see them as perfect, flawless, without spot or without wrinkle. How could we he see us that way when we weren't that way? Because he saw us through eyes of love and what he would do for us in bringing us salvation. Yes, life is uncertain. We have to make the decision today. If we accept Christ today and we're saved, you can write this date down as the greatest day in your life. I was listening to the radio the other day and they had a humorous commercial. And this this man was saying, well, when I got married, I and I saw my wife walking down the aisle and I and I that I would spend the rest of my life with her. I shed a tear. But when I saw my team score the winning touchdown, that's when I really cried like a baby. No, it doesn't make sense. These things, you're not even going to remember when they happen. Ten years from now, who, who's going to care who won the World Series 
world championship in football, Super Bowl or any of that. You're not going to care. But it will matter that you got saved. And it will matter the day that you got saved because that is what's important to God. And then you can have two birthdays. Like we sang this morning, you can have a physical birthday and you'll have even more importantly, a spiritual birthday that you can celebrate for the rest of your life. Does that mean like you get two cakes, two sets of presents, you know, two, two parties, two cards, maybe? Maybe not. But you'll have an eternal life with Christ that will be better than anything this world has to offer you. Better than money, better than power, better than fame, better than all these things. Because you'll have Christ and he considers you and he considers me the pearl of great price. And I'm just going to ask as we bow in in prayer this morning, if today's the day for you and you said, finally, Dean, it got through to me. Finally, the light went on in my head and let's bow our heads. And today's the day you're going to come forward and you're going to get saved. I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat and come forward, but pray in your heart. Pray in your heart. You can accept Him right now today and you can be saved. And you will make the angels in heaven start the band playing and make them start rejoicing that a sinner got saved. Shall we just pray? Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came down to this earth looking for that pearl of great price valuing us, loving us, not giving up until you came down and died for us to save us. And we thank you that we're important to you, Lord. We're your special people and your special treasure. And I pray for anyone here this morning that is not a Christian, who's not saved, who's not born again, that today will be the day and that they will pray the prayer, Lord, and they will say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've been in control of my life. I've been going down this pathway of life and sad and discouraged and not knowing what to do. And Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I come to you and I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. And I thank you that I can now repent of my sins and turn from my sins and be forgiven and have eternal life. And I accept you, Lord Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. And Lord, anyone who prays this prayer and gets saved today, it will be the greatest day of their lives. And so we just commit this time to you. We pray that you will give us a rejoicing in our hearts today for those who are saved, Lord, that we will be thankful, that we will have the opportunity to tell others and and serve you all the days of our life because you valued us enough to die for us and bring us this gift of life. And we pray that you'll give us a wonderful picnic tomorrow and fellowship. And we just commit this day to you and thank you for your great love and for the salvation we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.